Welcome back to UVA Data Points. I'm your host, Monica Manny. In this episode, we're bringing you a conversation between Siri Russell, the Associate Dean of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at the UVA School of Data Science, and Kelly Palmer, the Chief Diversity Officer at Willowtree. This conversation took place at our recent Women in Data Science event, and it is introduced by Nikita Amana, a current MSDS student at UVA Data Science. So Nikita is the first person you'll hear, and then she passes it over to Siri and Kelly. And so with that, here is Siri Russell and Kelly Palmer, live from WIDS 2023. In highlighting the work of our female students through our student presentations, to hearing about the experiences of leaders and gaining advice in the corporate data science space, to listening to disruptors at the frontiers of equity and inclusion, we want to show the amazing work currently being done in this continuously expanding field, as well as get inspired for the future. In looking towards the future, however, let us not forget the work of those women that made it possible for us to be here. From Grace Hopper to Ada Lovelace to Joy Balamwini, Mira Marathi, and so many of the other women in this field making and having made enormous strides, let us remember that we sit on the shoulders of great minds and that we have a lot more work to do. And on that note, I would love to introduce you all to today's fireside chat with Kelly Palmer, Chief Diversity Officer of Willowtree, and Siri Russell, Associate Dean of DEI at the School of Data Science. Thank you. So happy Friday. We're uh, very excited to be here with each other and also to be here with you. Before we get into the conversation, we really wanted to start by extending an invitation. So this is a chat, um, and that includes all of you. So we'd really like for this to be conversational where we can. We have folks who have microphones, so there will be opportunities during this talk um, to raise your hand and invite us to linger in something that you want us to like, let's talk about that a little bit more. Um, if you have a question, it does not have to wait until the end, right? Um, and, but I also invite you to consider having a wonder. And what I mean by that is, you know, sometimes I feel like in these kinds of situations, we spend a lot of time thinking about, I gotta get this question perfectly articulated to, so that I sound like I know what I'm talking about and also so they understand me. You don't have to do that here. You can just wonder, like, I'm wondering this or that, and we'll wonder with you, yeah? All right, so I know we're here together, but are y'all with us? Yeah. All right. <laughs> so uh, let's get this party started. Um, we decided we weren't gonna do bios because we know y'all can Google, so if you need to know what school we went to, you know, use your phones. Um, but instead, we thought we'd start by, you know, sort of talking about what was the journey to get to this chair, right? Mm -hmm. Kelly, like, what was at the heart of your story that brought you to this seat right here? I mean, there are 46 years before this chair, so that could be a journey. But I think a few highlights are worth sharing. Starting early on, you know, I'm touched by what President Ryan said about 
needing to have more models so that this seems like the, the ordinary, unexciting thing to do. Um, as a young person, I was identified as gifted. Anybody from my era understands that. Um, and our programs were in math and science. And so I got an accelerated curriculum in math and science from third grade, um, dating myself in a real way. We had two rooms that were a computer in my high school. And I had the opportunity to learn to program and engage in that way. And then I went off to college and thought I was gonna be pre-med because Cosby Show. Um, <laughs> and uh, freshman bio got me off of that notion. Um, and I went on to study elementary education. But to get admitted to that program, in my interview, I was asked to talk about the thing I had read recently that was most interesting to me, and it was the hot zone. I don't know how many of you are familiar with that book, but it's the, the basis for the movie Contagion. Um, and the person, the, the panel of people interviewing me included a woman who was a science teacher, and she said, you will be in a classroom. Well, I got into a classroom, and it wasn't my spot. Um, I needed to be able to use the restroom when I wanted to, and go to the bank, and um, all the things. And so, God bless teachers. Um, and I went on to get a master's in counseling uh, because I was actually told I wasn't warm or uh, terribly kind in the way that I did things. I'm a DC native, y'all. I was in the South. Um, and DC is below the Mason-Dixon line, but somehow it's not the South. Uh, and then I, I found that helping was valuable, but that there was a glass ceiling in higher ed, and that's where I wanted to be. So I came here to do a PhD in university administration. And I won't tell you a lot about that work, but I will say that I chose to use the nation's largest data set for my dissertation. I am a quantitative researcher. And that was not typical for the space that I was in. I wanted to be able to do the definitive work and I saw that data was the pathway to being able to um, be informed and persuade, and it gave us the most expansive arms. In the time since, I've worked a variety of places in a variety of roles, but today I sit at Willow Tree, which is, um, it started as an app developer in Charlottesville uh, in 2007. And uh, I don't know who follows local news, but in January we sold for $1.225 billion. Um, that's amazing for our sweet town that's had all of its ups and downs in so many ways, that something so rich in this space was started here. Um, and uh, the meat of our practice involves data science. So when I agreed to do this, I was the chief diversity officer, and today I'm the chief employee experience officer. So I think 
broadly, not just about diversity, equity, and inclusion in this space that I've come through in my own way, but I think about um, how humans experience the power of harnessing and leveraging data to change the world. It's an awesome job, and I'm so honored that you all have me with you. I, um, I just love the sound of Kelly's voice. <laughs> Whenever she's talking, I'm just like, mm, yes. I mean, she could be describing making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, right? Um, Spoiler alert, I'm going to say something slightly different from anything she says today, right? Just to offer y'all choices. Um, so, you know, when I think about, like, my, what's at the heart of my story? Like, how did I get to this chair? Um, I tend to think the answer to that is uh, me. Right? That's right. Yeah, it was me, y'all. Um, I don't know, that's also a Britney Spears joke. I don't know if anybody caught it. It's me, y'all? Okay. Get on the Googles. Um, so The chat GPT. Right, get on the chat GPTs. That's right. So, you know, for me, I was raised in the deeper south. I grew up in sort of rural South Carolina. And where I was, I learned a lot of social lessons that I didn't realize that I had um, fully absorbed until much later. So when I think about how I got to this seat, I think about a particular moment, probably about seven or eight years ago now. I was at my desk and a coworker stopped by and said, um, hey, did you hear about what just happened in South Carolina? And what had just happened was that Bree Newsom had scaled the South Carolina flagpole at the State House and had pulled down the Confederate flag. This was a moment for me. I grew up in South Carolina. That flag had always waved there. And um, in my professional life, I was pretty focused on what I saw as what it meant to be professional, which meant fitting in Right? I had, for a long time, adopted particular mannerisms that I realized were holding me back, because I read what Bree said about why she did it. She said, I did it because I'm free. Mm. And I had this moment where I went, ugh, I'm not. See, I am being less of myself every day. Right? I have adopted this mindset where I come to work and feel I must be less woman, less black, less Siri in order to succeed, in order to be included, right? And what I realized right then was that for me to be free, I actually had to be more of me, right? I had to be my full self. That was a career-changing moment for me because at the time, I was working as a zoning compliance officer. I was a bad news bear, right? <laughs> I was the person who would knock on your door and tell you that your neighbor had complained about your junk car, okay? Um, 
And you fast forward from that moment to right now, and I'm the Associate Dean of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at the School of Data Science here at the University of Virginia. Okay. Um, so when I say how I got here was me, that I mean, I became more of myself, and I brought that into my practice. Yeah? I mean, speak to my soul, Brie Newsome. Yeah, I know. Um, free. Uh, we don't all do that. All right, so while we're, you know, since we're still feeling good, I mean, I'm feeling good. Y'all feeling good? Yeah. <laughs> since we're still feeling good, let's talk about this, you know, women in data science. Well, I was thinking, like, what does that mean? What does it mean to be a woman in? Right? Um, what's unique, right? Like, I'm thinking, Kelly, what are your thoughts about this shared experience that we have? Um, and even more, I'm thinking about that question that always comes up about having it all. What is it all? When I think about this, I think about Icarus. Y'all remember Icarus? Right, and they talk about Icarus, and you know, I feel like whenever I hear that story, they tell us about flying too close to the sun, right? But if you go back and read it, Icarus was actually cautioned also not to fly too low, because the water could also melt their wings, right? So there's something in there, right? It was don't fly too high, but it was also don't fly too low, right? So what is this in that center where we're getting all of it, Kelly? Can you talk a little bit about your thoughts? I mean, the visual of Icarus that I've never associated in this way leads me pretty immediately to, you are too direct, you are not direct enough. You are too human-centered, you should be more human-centered. Does any of this sound like my story? I got an entire degree because I wasn't nice. Um, I'm, I'm trying to resist the urge to say that had I been male, I would have been destined for greatness. Um, but oh, I said it. Okay, so we know those things. I'm gonna put them to the side and I'm gonna talk about this other thing. Um, being a woman in and trying to have it all. There is amazing narrative that I think we've all been brought up in if we've been steeped in this United States place. And I'm sure there are people from other places as well. But here, women are supposed to be feminine to some degree, at least historically, at least in my day. Um, and that meant you were supposed to make and grow humans and somehow run households while also earning money, but perhaps not more than your husband. Now we're in a new time. She may have a wife. I love it. She may share those duties with others. Um, she may be they. There's a lot of exciting things afoot. But what doesn't change is that she, they are supposed to do it all. And my two cents on this is you can have it all, just not at one time. Um, my own story is that 
I went straight through school. I did all of the degrees as fast as I could because I was keenly aware of what was coming on the other side, the, the partnering and the children and the no time and stuff. Um, and so I probably went to, through school faster than I should have. I'm gonna own that out of a fear of timing out from my intellectual life. Um, and I wanted it, so I got it maybe a little too early, maybe a little before I even knew what I was getting. You know, if I could go back to my doc classes, I'd be such a different human. But it is what it is, and I did what I did, and I wouldn't, you know, undo it, because I made it. P.S., I have four children. I previously had a husband. He is not the current husband. We can talk about that later if you want. Um, <laughs> And so as I talk about this having it all but not at one time thing, I will say that the single greatest choice that any human makes is about whom they partner with relative to their career. And that is also um, even if you choose not to partner. I'm not saying that we all do and should. I'm saying that that choice changes things. And um, I would encourage you to think with care. I would not be in this seat were it not for a man holding up my universe. Isn't that a fun thing in 2023? A man holds up my universe. He does. He raises our children. He makes sure the bills are paid. And I run around the planet. Um, negotiate wisely. The other thing that I'll put out there is that I had kids late. Um, I had a lot of pregnancies. Uh, to get four, there were seven. Life is what it is. Um, but I say this to say that I chose the job to do the thing it needed to do to let me make the humans. And I got promoted every time I went on maternity leave. <laughs> I'm not saying that as if I have some superpower. I'm saying it to give you yours. When I left, I did some things for those in preparation for those three months that kept continuity, but somehow made really, really clear that they needed me. Um, and I made some interesting choices in those leaves. And if this is a place where you want to dig, we can dig there. But this is my story about having it all. I feel like I've had everything I've wanted, just not at one time. I had a job that didn't completely scratch my brain as I was having those babies because I heard from my friends what it was like to have those babies. Be strategic. I love that. I think this is a good space to linger because I'm feeling that someone or someone's in here is feeling like we should linger. So someone someone's there's some space here we go where's our microphone wait till they get here 
You have such a good energy. Look, Brittany, it's the Brittany, right? <laughs> like, it's bringing it forward, right? Baby, one more time. Oh. <laughs> Come this with is, us. Okay. Thank you for being so radically honest about the value of partnership when it comes to careers. That's essential. And also, something you said in passing, I just want to wonder about it together. The idea that you know you can be absent from the workplace for a certain amount of time, whether it's maternity leave or whatever, but you're still necessary. And I feel like that's important to highlight. We have this long built up pattern in many workplaces that presence is value, and sometimes value is other things. You know, it's, it's your contribution, which doesn't have to be measured as a everyday, same day, show up, do the thing. And maybe you could talk about how, in a new discipline like data science, maybe we can design that into it mm -hmm. to make it just a more de facto inclusive field because we think about contribution maybe in a different way? Gosh. I would love to have direct wisdom about shaping as you build the field. I don't know that I have that, but what I do have is, again, pieces from my own story. So I'm a creator. As you work, you come to know who you are in the world of work. There are people who love to start a thing. There are people who love to support a thing. There are people who love to keep a thing going but making it better. I am a creator. I start a thing. And so the reason I could be physically absent but absolutely necessary is because I was always just this far ahead of the business on what should be happening, and I had become the most expert in my business. Note, I don't pretend to be expert about anything. I'm not gonna make that up. But the most expert in my business on this thing in the distance. And without fail, either something that I planted bloomed in my absence, or the circumstances of the business or society shifted just enough that people went, wait, we need this thing. Uh, uh, Kelly, Kelly Palmer. Kelly Palmer's working on this thing. Where's Kelly Palmer? She's on maternity leave. Can we get her? Can we find Can some, who, mm, we shouldn't, but can we call her? The only connection I can make comfortably and easily here is you're choosing to specialize in the thing that is here. I don't know how to design the rest of it for you, but what a cool spot to be in. My area has very rarely been this thing. I've had to make it up. You all signed up for it. You went to school for it. You're, you're doing it. There's something yummy there. 
I'm going to give you a cautionary tale. So I have two children. Um, and similar to Kelly, folks were very excited to have me come back to work after every maternity leave. I felt very necessary, but part of that had to do that in previous roles, I've gotten a lot better at this, but when I was still having the children, I didn't have very good boundaries. And I also had a tendency to carry too much of the load, right? And so whenever I left, what became immediately apparent was, oh, she's doing the work of like three or four people, right? And we want that back, right? Um, a way, a very, I think, unhealthy way, actually, of being indispensable, and I think something that we also fall into too often in our sort of like the drive to be a higher performer, especially, I mean, how many of you were that kid in the class that was raising their hand all the time? I know you're out there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I see some of you going, mm -hmm. right? It's me, I'll do it, right? Um, I had to break myself out of that in order to um, move towards balance. This thing, you know, that I think we're also starting to move towards talking about that how do you construct balance in your life? And even considering the temporal factor, like you're talking about, Kelly, it's not gonna be all the time. Mm -hmm. I know that's something I practice for myself too. Sometimes we're a little out of whack, and that might be a few months, and then you gotta go, okay, <laughs> right? So I think of the balance as being over the course of really my lifetime. Ooh, a hand is coming up already. I'm excited. I Who's coming? It. Oh, yeah, excellent. Can Hi, I can do one add-on before yeah. we pivot? I want to just note about this idea of um, committing too much and boundaries that the secret to my ability to move, and I mean up, has been that I am always growing my replacement. So even when I'm the strange person going, but there's this thing out there, we should do it. As soon as somebody hears me, I don't care if they're below to the side or in a completely different division. I'm like, you want in on the weirdness? Come on, <laughs> we're going over here. And that's my buddy. That's the person keeping things on track when I'm on leave, but it's also the person that I can go, oh, don't worry, I can be chief employee experience officer because Kendall will be the chief diversity officer. Okay, have fun, I started it. You have a good time. I'm going over here to start a new thing. So what I love about that is that you're identifying and then living in your power. And today, um, South Carolina Gamecocks are playing to get to the Final Four. And I want to um, quote um, something the Washington Post wrote today um, about Aaliyah Boston, who's their lead player. And what the coach said was, I think a player like Aaliyah doesn't realize her power. I think she's a really nice young lady and she wants everything to be smooth, smooth sailing. She doesn't want any conflict. She's not confrontational. When you're like that, you don't really understand the power of being dominant. 
And I'm throwing that out here because part of what happens to women institutionally is we are not allowed to claim our power. But um, the voice that you bring to the room is going to be different than the voice anyone else in that room has. And you shouldn't feel afraid to use it. Your point of view matters to your organization and it certainly matters to you. Um, and if the Gamecocks didn't play the physical game that they played, if they played nice, ladylike basketball, they wouldn't be where they are. So it's okay to stop being ladylike. I wanna have a wonder. I wanna wonder about why the person who titled that article or wrote the first paragraph thought that there was some correlation between dominance and power. I would like to hear you, because I think I know where you're, I think I know where you're headed. <laughs> I think I know what road you're trying to trot down here. Tell me, um, wonder a little bit more about this power and dominance piece. Well, I'm a black woman. What? <laughs> well, Hold I mean, I have traveled and lived around the world and I get labeled other things. But in fact, I am a black woman. And so the, the stereotype that I should often fulfill in rooms, particularly where I am gender and race ethnically underrepresented, is that I'm supposed to lean into my dominance. But in fact, the way I exert power in rooms is through my silence. Because it is unexpected. And when I speak, people listen. I'm not saying everyone needs to play that way. I'm just saying that Correlation does not imply causation, and dominance, therefore, does not equate to power and vice versa. That's, that's what I'm pushing on. This person who may want things to be nice and gentle as a baller may run the floor masterfully because of that. And that's where we get dinged as women sometimes, is that we seem a way or we should be a way. And in fact, being underestimated, not seen, not paid attention to, can be a challenge that we pivot into an opportunity because what we hear and see and know and have time to focus on, we can flip and play. And when we do it, people pick up on it because we choose our time and have harnessed our power. That's, that's where I was going. I, I feel what that article's talking about, and I feel where we were going, but it was just that association of words that made me go, oh, don't think you have to be alpha to be A. No, no. I wanna underscore 
you uh, used it twice. You talked about choose, right, and choice. Because we do have a choice about how we step into our power, how our power is presented and realized. Um, and I love that. I also love that we have someone who's been waiting here so patiently. Let's do it. Come on. Hi, thank you all. Wonderful conversation. I wanted to touch on one word, Kelly, that you brought up, which was creator. And I think in particular, with my experience in data science, it's very much an art form. And the female perspective in that art form is important and unique. And I'm wondering what kind of structured or directed flexibility you found in data science and how your female perspective has brought a unique and wonderful insight into this field that is not necessarily always just facts and numbers, mm -hmm. but also interpretation. Hmm. You know, it's so hard to know your own way of knowing. But as you asked that question, the image that came into my mind was that of a stick. And with a bulbous end, imagine you're just walking through the forest and you come across a stick with a bulbous end. Some people might look at that and go, I can hit someone with it. That bulbous end is gonna let me take you out. And somebody else might look at it and go, but if I just whittle it like this, it's a spoon and I can eat with it. And somebody else might go, but if I just shape it like this, it's, it's a shovel and I can dig with it. What I know is that for whatever reason, the way my brain works, if you put me in a room around a table with 15 people who aren't me, maybe they're not women, maybe they're not black, Maybe they're not from D.C. Maybe they didn't get a Ph.D. at UVA. I don't know. They're not me. You know who comes up with the most different solution usually? I see the stick differently. And I posit, though I don't know, that many of the people in this room also see the stick differently. I have made it my life's work to understand how other people see the stick so that when I tell them about my imaginings for the stick, that I can work from their place of comfort to my place of innovation. Sometimes that journey is brief and sometimes that journey takes years. And sometimes, in fact, I'm just wrong. But that's how I have found my way. That may not be terribly specific, but that is where the brain is. It's also to go back to the power conversation, right? The ability to do that, that's a demonstration of power as well, right? To put yourself in the shoes of someone else, to under, not just understand their perspective, but also to use that knowledge to bring them to, you know what I mean? 
your way of thinking, um, you know, you can never underestimate the power of influence work, mm. right? I mean, that is my whole job. <laughs> Look, <laughs> without authority, I just wanted to add the rest of it. Yes, right? Um, the ability to get things done without positional authority is not something that you can achieve through dominance because it's not based in hierarchy. Right? It's based in a host of other things that are equally, if not more powerful. Because I think a superpower that I have, and that I think that you also have, Kelly, um, well, I know that, I'm just being coy, um, is that not only can we get other folks to do those things that we're asking them to do, but we can get them to do it while thinking that it's their idea. Oh, must. <laughs> That's like the number one requirement. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, my boss isn't in here, right? <laughs> but, right? But that really, I think, um, so when you're thinking about your power, be thinking about those things too, right? How that shows up, your ability to influence um, in ways that are authentic, that are generative, not harmful, right? Um, and are ways that bring people with you on your journey. You're up. I just wanted to expand on the idea of taking leave. And um, a couple times I've done a leave of absence. So I know one time when I wanted to, to leave a job, they asked me to do a leave of absence because mm -hmm. they knew I wasn't going to another job and that you don't have to use maternity leave. Mm -hmm. So definitely use your power to go off and do a personal sabbatical, yeah. do things that revive your spirit. Absolutely. I think that's lovely. Yes, thank you for saying it. And I love too, um, like the idea of stepping away, right? Going back to that balance piece. I wanna, Pause. You know, I was just about to say, because I feel like someone else has something to add, and then there you were. <laughs> no, we have someone here too, someone in the, oh, okay, yeah, back here, and then we'll come to you. Hey, I just, sorry, the echo's kind of throwing me off. I've, so I've been in the world of work now for a little over three decades. Um, <clears throat> and I just want to say how cool it is to be in this space a professional space where these things are being said out loud. For a big part of my career, like, these were kind of backroom conversations, you know, over coffee or a bitch, bitch session. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm losing my voice. Um, you know, walking down the street with a friend, you know, and how quickly this has changed has been open. I mean, I remember working just a few years ago for a company that sold for over a billion dollars and how much of my time there, I was the only woman in the room. Mm. So it's really great that we're saying these out loud and we're hearing these from each other. Thank you. I love that. And what you say makes me think about the rooms I've been in and the room I'm currently in. And I don't want this to just be a conversation about how awesome women are. We are awesome. Um, I want to also honor that I'm on an executive team right now with a collection of humans who the men on my team respect and value their wives and want to be active in raising their children. And the other women on the team have 
chosen different pathways, and it enables me to have of what I want at any given moment because those folks evidence the evolution that is happening more broadly. They, I can look at my colleagues when we need to get something across the finish line and go, the kid has a play, I'll be back on it at nine. And no one blinks, no one questions, I go, I'm back on it at nine. So I think that was just a nice opening for me to share that our progress is a collective progress. And it is because that expectation of women that I grew up with is morphing as is the desire of men. And with those two things happening at the same time, we're getting magical new possibilities. Um, we've got one here and then here in the front. Then we're gonna pivot a little bit conversationally. Um, hi, this might be a bit of a pivot too, but I'm just noticing that you guys are very like self-assured and confident in yourselves. And um, I'm kind of wondering what your journey was with that and finding your voice. Uh, I'm pretty young, I'm 21, so I feel like I'm still on that journey. Um, and yeah, it, I think it's something women have to deal with. Like, one example is the way we talk. Like, I feel like I still talk with an up tilt at the end, which is something I was like conditioned to do. So, I don't know, I'm just wondering how we get to a place where we feel self-assured and confident. Mm. You want to go first? You're younger than me. Oh. Now, how do you know that now? <laughs> um, okay, I think a couple of things. So let me, let me start by telling you what I did this morning. So before I came in here, so I have, I have like three talks I have to do today. Before I came in here, I sat in my bedroom, and I've got this collection of crystals, and I was holding them in, in one arm, and I went right like this, and I went, Siri, you're a monster. You're a beast. Right? No one can defeat you. Right? I was like, you got this, right? Literally, this was what I was doing this morning. I um, am a big believer. Like, I do a lot of shit talking, basically, um, in meetings. Like, I do it internally, though, right? Like, I'll be sitting there thinking, they can't problem solve like I can. Right? Like, I hype myself up all day long. That's right. I have um, a collection of sort of like totems in my office, things that are connected to my family, things that are connected to um, success I've had at work, things that resonate with me that I can look at and remind myself throughout the day. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> right? I have a picture of Muhammad Ali because I also sometimes say to myself, rumble, young woman, rumble. Like, and I'll say that to myself even before I go into a meeting where I know I'm about to get aggravated, right? Um, I think for me, your question is, 
it wasn't like, it hasn't been like a light switch where it's like, now I am a confident person, right? It's been more like, what are the things that feed me? What, like, um, having had some successes, reminding myself of that, surrounding myself with powerful women like this human over here, right? Like some of these folks back there um, who also hype me up who, you know what I mean, like I'm looking Dean Hilton back here, who before I had to give a talk a few weeks ago, literally I'm sitting in my car and she's on the phone telling me, you got this, you're the best at this, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, I love it. Right? So I think um, for me it's been surrounding myself with other humans who are encouraging, who, um, who continue to aspire and assure me, as well as constantly doing it for myself, right? I mean, I will pick up where you left off. The company you keep matters. My, I have a, I have a boss bitches group that I'm a part of. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. Like, we all set intentions, um, when I was on maternity leave, the last time. By the way, I'm done, y'all. But when I was on maternity leave the last time, we started this group, and it's five women. We didn't even really know each other. It was kind of the, all of us knew one somebody, you know, and everybody just kind of got it together. And we said, we're gonna be awesome as spouses, as mothers, as professionals probably in the opposite order. Um, and we're gonna support each other in doing it. And we built relationship and we build each other up. And it's amazing to have people in your world who will look at you and go, this is your superpower. And it shows up like this. And not because they're blowing smoke or wanting to be nice, but because they've watched you. And the way they underscore it is by opening a door for you. So that group of women has moved each other from basically mid-level management roles till all of us are now in the C-suite or the proprietors of our own business. And we set targets for what we would be managing in terms of revenue and we've exponentially beat them. Who you run with determines how you run. So choose. Um, the other thing is I failed a lot. I mean, just a lot. I took a job I shouldn't have taken. I realized about 30 days in that I was in trouble. I'm professionally, serially monogamous. How could I leave a job after 30 days? I stay in jobs like 10 years at a run. But I had to. I wasn't right for it. It wasn't right for me. I thought it was an utter failure. I think I've told y'all I've had two husbands and not at the same time. So <laughs> you want to feel a failure get divorced. You know, I've gotten a rough review. I've had a project utterly bomb. I have gotten on stage and forgotten what my words should be. And I got up the next day or the next hour 
and I found something else. And even in the moment when I did the next thing and it felt like a step down or a step under or a reboot, in hindsight, that was just a side step to hop up. In hindsight, that was just a speed bump to give me or to reveal to me another superpower. And on a very practical level, I'm an opera singer. I have been standing on stages forever. This is my jam. If it is not yours, join Toastmasters. Learn the rule. Seriously, freshman year, I had listened to my godbrother who said, don't take too many classes. You don't want to mess up your GPA and lose your scholarship. So I took too few classes. I was super bored. I went to the registration lady, because that used to be a thing. And I was like, is there something else I can do? And she was like, take public speaking. And I took the class and I learned the three segments of a speech and how to write something on short notice and how to function off of a prompt. Knowing the rules of a thing and the structures of a thing give you confidence. It is the never having done it in any form before that makes the ground quiver. So hedge. Do it somewhere, somehow, with something. And then one day, somehow, when you think you might be halfway through your life, in my experience, I don't have time to be that worried anymore. What's the worst thing that's gonna happen? I'll get better? That's a wonderful piece to live with. And that's just time. I love that time. And I love what you said about um, understanding, like knowing the rules, understanding the structures. And I think that knowing is also that knowing yourself. Part of what I operate from is a very strong sense of who I am and what I'm about, right? Like that's kind of my guiding star. Um, and it's what propels me, and it's also what keeps me in the like, all right, I'll survive. <laughs> right? Yeah, just like that, it'll be fine. Um, when we talk about stress, I always ask, what does stress prepare you for? That's a real question. What does stress prepare you for? Like, nothing. So it's usually not a good use of your time. I think, um, I love your question. I don't think it gets, I mean, it gets, maybe it gets easier with age, that's what Kelly's telling us, but um, I believe you. Um, it gets less scary. <laughs> it gets less scary. It gets less scary. Um, but I, I love your question because I feel like it could be asked at any point in life. Um, and P.S., we're faking. Yeah. I told y'all what I was doing this morning, Legit. Right? Like, I'm going to pose something to the audience, to my fellow people over 40, does anyone feel like they are still pretending to be an adult? <laughs> okay, that's the dirty secret of life. We're just here. We're getting close to our time. I know we've got, you, you had your hand up, didn't you? Yeah, okay. Okay, awesome. Hey, thanks, thanks for doing this. Oh gosh, this is really loud. Um, <laughs> 
So my, my question is, um, what advice do you have for very junior women in this room? Because like it or not, we're on sort of a clock if having a family is part of our career goal. And, uh, you know, it's tough if you're, if you're taking leave and you don't feel like you've got that indispensable position. You know, how do you reconcile that? Because you could leave and then, you know, the career opportunities disappear without you. Sorry. Mm. Yeah. So this is going to sound super morbid. But here please. We go. So you got to end us on a better spot because this is not the end. Um, <laughs> when I was making choices about reproductivity in my own life, I thought, what does the end look like? Who is with me? What will I have done? And for me, it was a very clear answer. I work to live. I love working. I love being successful. I am so excited to like catch and kill and accomplish and do. Like I hope you feel how hungry I am professionally. But I do it for my children. Before I had children, the run to the PhD quickly was not first about the expiration of my timeline. It was first about the viability as a black woman in America with the data being the way it was when I came of age to be able to pay for and raise humans on my own, which was the statistical likelihood. And what I felt was the greatest value, importance, and joy of my life, as I defined it, was making and growing humans. And so when the pivots point came where I ha had to, to take risks, I operated on my main piece of advice when somebody says, Kelly, what's your one piece of advice that you give people? Make choices you can live with. And so when faced with a dilemma, what do I want the end to look like? I want to die peacefully in my bed with my children around. I want to leave money to educate their children. I want to have loved massively. I want to have grown other people in ways that they got to do the same. And I want when somebody reads my obituary in the virtual newspaper that they will probably get through chat GPT for them to go. That time when I met her, that time when I sat with her, that time when she said a kind thing or a hard thing, to me, she was all right. And none of that starts with a title other than mom. So when I made my choices, my eye was on the goal line. I think it's probably a little bit different for me. For one thing, I don't like thinking about dying. Freaks me out. See? Uh, so. <laughs> Um, and I also don't like working, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, I prefer not to, right? In a perfect world, um, I would be living a life of leisure. Um, it's true. This just happens. That's, that's the teach way I am. Me. Teach me. I'm trying to get you to teach me. Like. <laughs> but for me, all of the choices that I have made, you know, I keep going back to myself. 
And part of the reason that I do that, um, without giving you a lot of personal background, is that I've had to bank on myself since I was a small, a small even. And so for me, all my choices were really tied to something that I first started thinking when I was actually quite young, which was, there's got to be more. I have always sort of internally thought and really believed, not to like be a Kanye West on you, but like really believed that I was meant for more than where I was, that I could be more, could be great. Part of that greatness, to your point, not tied to title, right, but was really about how I live my life. I come from unhealthy people. Part of greatness for me was um, creating healthy people, mm. <laughs> right? Um, both in those that come from me and then also the people that I interact with, right? So my um, choices were really propelled by a sense of urgency and a conviction, right? Like at some of the lowest points, and I uh, went through a pretty, an episode of pretty serious depression when I was in undergrad. You can see it on my transcript if you, you know, <laughs> would uh -huh. like to. Uh -huh. Indicators. Um, yeah, right? Um, and on my way out of that, the thing that was pushing me was a sense of, this isn't where I'm supposed to be. I don't know, right, what your right timeline is or anyone else, but for me, my journey has always really been in a, is this where I'm supposed to be? Is this me looking around? Is this, is this Siri, right? Um, and the answer to that a lot of times has been no, right? And I'm not, um, I'm not, um, when it comes to em employment, I'm, I'm not monogamous. Um, <laughs> and, and, but part of that is that push that I'm, you know, this is something I've tried to work on. I wanna be great, I wanna be more, I wanna get to me. I'll know it when I find it. Um, I feel like I live it every day. When it comes to the choices, I think Kelly's exactly right. What can you live with? For me, I had my children at the same time as I was working. I got two master's degrees in the same period of time while I was having them. People would say to me like, what are you doing, right? I said, this is, this is me, this is what I want. And this is what I want from my life. And also, I can do it, right? People ask you, do you have enough time? I got all I need. We've got one question and we're gonna end on it. Where, oh, here, here we go. Um, you've touched on a few of these things, but as I'm watching new women come into my lab or in the in quantitative area, or as a teacher, in those positions, what is a good way to encourage and mentor and empower other women into this field? How do you approach that? Connect, touch them. Right? And don't wait for folks to come to you to mentor, right? I think, um, you know, invite folks to reach out, but I think when you are being intentional about mentorship, it's also rendering people visible, 
right? And going to them. Kelly, I'm trying to be quick, so you go. Oh, I mean, I wholly echo that, um, but I would also caution around mentoring them into this work. I find that when you are trying to get a person to a destination, that's like hurting a cat. If you show interest, if you engage, if you expose, if you connect, if you identify, people land where they should. And sometimes the cats will run away and other times the cats will come. But often when you center in the human and wherever they wanna go, even if they run away, they will send other cats back. All right, we're at our time, so we gotta. I know it went by super fast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank y'all. Stay connected.